Welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show, the program that shines a spotlight on positive real estate development and neighborhood revitalization in the city of brotherly love. Coming to you live from the G-Town Radio Studio on Maplewood Mall in Germantown. Here's your host, Alina DeLisser. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show. Well, you know, spring is almost here. It's around the corner. And with spring, you're going to see a lot of people putting their houses up for sale. You're going to see a lot of uh, fix and flips that come out on the market. And, you know, generally spring is a great time to get all sorts of projects done around the house, uh, uh, sprucing up the exterior, the interior. And our guest today is someone who's going to give us a whole lot of really great tips on how to maximize our renovating budget, particularly when it comes to interior design and staging. Joining me in the studio today is Lauren Donati, who is a lifelong South Jersey resident with a very diverse creative background. She has an enduring interest in design, and back in 2017, she went to Temple University to enroll in their interior design program, and after completion, she began working with Design Studio 312, a local interior design and staging company. Lauren specializes in innovative ideas, and she's a creative problem solver who loves to meet her clients' challenges in order to create beautiful spaces. Um, more recently, she's been uh, giving a lot of lectures and presentations to local real estate clubs and investors and rehabbers around the Delaware Valley. So that's why I brought her into the studio today, so she can bring us up to date on some of the exciting emerging design trends for 2020. Thanks for being on the show, Lauren. Hi, Alina. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So, Lauren, let's talk a little bit more about your background because um, I love interior design and I love how people from different walks of life um, come into this industry. So how did you get interested in interior design and staging? Well, um, interior design has always been something that I've kind of felt like I've had an innate ability to do or an interest in, um, you know, just around my house and my friends and family. And so a few years ago, I was, you know, just doing corporate jobs, wasn't really happy and decided, you know what, I don't want to regret this <laughs> later in life. So I went back to Temple, got into the program and decided to go for it and do interior design. Great. So I know that in the last few, really like in the last decade or so, maybe it's thanks to HGTV, um, <laughs> uh, the importance of good design, staging, even for people that are buying a, a rental and planning to rent it out. Everybody wants to put their best face forward, right? So I, I agree. I think the bar really has been raised as far as what the, the general public is aware of uh, for trends, for interior design and what they expect. So I think it's something that now if you're an investor or a rehabber or just anyone who wants to show off your home, you kind of have to keep that in mind. Right. So a couple of months ago, I did have another um, interior designer on the show, and she made a very clear distinction between um, uh, staging a property for sale um, or to show for you know rental versus interior design for a homeowner. Yes. Do you have a, a philosophy like that? Do you have a different philosophy based on whether a property is being staged for sale versus um, interior design for the homeowner? 
Absolutely. So when it comes to staging for sale, the biggest difference probably is scale. So if we're doing your living room and you're going to live there and you have a big oversized couch and it's nice and comfy and a lot of other side furniture going on in the room. However, for staging, you have to keep in mind that when people are walking through the house touring it, there's real estate agents, there's a maybe a single person, maybe a couple, maybe there's kids running around, you know, maybe your parents are with you. So it's a lot of people walking through a house. And if there's a lot of oversized furniture, it's going to feel very confined and they're going to be bumping into each other and they that's going to have a negative connotation for the house. So we generally, our rule um, is to stage at a one-third scale. So the furniture is a little smaller. It obviously everything looks nice. It's contemporary, but it's a little bit smaller what we use and how we space things out to create a good flow through the house so that when they're walking through and looking at everything, there's no traffic jams. <laughs> right. And right. Um, yeah, so that's basically what it is. We also don't necessarily stage every single bedroom. And we also try to keep out things like religious artwork or um even sports teams, you know, everybody loves the Eagles oh, and everything. Boy. But what if yeah. what if you have someone a, moving from Dallas or right something? or Boston? <laughs> so, so t- taking away People get triggered so easily these days. <laughs> I know we don't want to cause any bad feelings in the house, so we stay away from that very specific stuff. And family photos are taken down because you don't want people to feel like they're walking into someone else's home. You want them to feel like they're walking into their home. Okay, great. So, uh, you know, we're at the beginning of a new decade. 2020. It's a great even round number. Um, And I mean, wow, I think, you know, I think back over the last 10 years, I can really uh, clearly, I'm thinking right now in terms of some of the popular colors and trends. And, you know, kind of what is already kind of on its way out from the 2010s going into 2020? And what's on the horizon for 2020? So, like when we look at the exterior of of a property, um, and we're talking about single family houses here, what are some of the emerging trends um, with regards to design and and keeping the property looking great? So one trend that I'm sure we'll talk about inside the house, it's kind of a, just a general trend, is um, coming back to nature a little bit, incorporating a lot of wood elements, and how you can do this on the outside of a house is maybe there are columns, you replace them with nice wood columns or trim around the windows um, or kind of in the eaves of the house and incorporate some wood elements where before, in a more industrial look, it would have been metal and stuff like that. I think uh, what, what we're seeing is that people are maybe now going into the next decade coming back off of that industrial look. So they want those wood elements and nice... You know, if you can afford it in your budget, nice landscaping, get a lot of green around the house. Um, People are looking for that natural element. And something else not to forget and something that is really being highlighted as a feature lately is nice garage doors. You know, don't forget about those and just have your old typical garage door. And it doesn't even have to be very expensive, but something with interest, something pretty that really makes that garage stand out from all the kind of typical ones on the block. That is fascinating because I think um, the garage door, unless you were like living in a, like a really upscale community was very a plain vanilla. Right. You know? Yeah. Not, not a lot of thought 
went into it in the past, I think, but these more kind of carriage house looking, um, really pretty, if you can imagine, sometimes with windows and incorporating the wood there as well. So even if you have siding, you have some wood touches around the front door and then you have the wooden garage door. It's like a nice rich color. That's a really beautiful look. And like the latch. Yes. And things like that, instead of using like the standard aluminum... Right, even yeah. if it's non-functioning, you know, right. it's just a nice, that hardware is a nice look. Right. Oh, that's great. Okay. So as we go inside the house, mm-hmm. um, okay, so now we are, let's, we're going in through the garage <laughs> and we're in the laundry room. Okay. Laundry room is, is something that you said that that's, that's an emerging trend. Absolutely. Terms- and it's, it's another thing. Don't forget about the laundry room because... Like we had talked about seeing it a lot on HDTV and stuff, people have expectations, buyers have expectations now. So it's something that they're looking at, a well-designed laundry room, and it doesn't have to be a big room. If you do have a nice space, you know, put in some cabinetry, put in some nice wooden shelving, stuff like that. Um, use a great tile on the floor or a pop of color in there. But even if you have just a, literally a closet laundry room, you can really transform that space. So instead of just using that typical metal kind of shelving that you see in closets, Ikea, or, yeah, yeah right. or like even what you could find at Home Depot, which is functional and right. great, but you can put some nice shelving in there above your two units that are taking up the entire room or tile the entire wall um, to make it just an interesting space. They'll open up that closet just expecting to see a washer dryer and they'll say, wow, like, there's a beautiful pop of color in here, Ooh, a nice space. That is interesting. So this is kind of all ties into um, one of the trends that you said is very um, popular now. Um, you're calling it what, the Grand Millennials? Oh, <laughs> Grand Millennials there's- are a thing. Uh, they are Millennials, obviously, but there is a subset of Millennials who really appreciate older things, classic things, even dainty lace dishes and stuff like that, uh, florals. So not saying you have to do all that stuff, but when you're rehabbing a house, especially if it's an old house, I greatly encourage, as long as things are in good condition, to keep the old charm and the old elements. I think I'm a grand millennial because I love old houses. And even when they're updated, obviously, to maintain modern um, efficiency and everything like that, keep the stairwell that has the beautiful railing and or maybe around the fireplace, mm-hmm. just these nice wood elements or just nice um, detail that Really, they don't make it like that anymore. Right. <laughs> and uh, millennials, a lot of us are very interested in that. So it's about salvaging as much as you can what's already existing on the property, or if you can bring in those elements from the same era yes. construction. And is it about um, painting them? Um, is it about keeping it the, the brown color, or is it, it... It really depends, obviously, on the whole design of the house, and that's something I caution when I say this, because you want to keep the older elements and the beautiful charm, but you can't also then, you know, put in a really... Always. I'm not going to say never because with design, never say never, but you can't generally put in like a super modern chrome, like light fixture or something Mm -hmm. where you have this beautiful filigree work all over the fireplace. So there has to be a nice blend. Uh, So if you're doing a color palette that doesn't really allow for the warm browns, maybe the original cherry or something like that, then yes, paint it. You can paint it a color that, that fits better. Just you know, make sure you can keep that detail scene. Okay. So I, I know we're going to talk about flubs and blunders later on, but now that we're talking about the interior of the house and trying to salvage as much as possible, what is your philosophy on changing the, the, the flow, the footprint 
of of a of a house. You know, because a lot of people want to rip out walls and and create these great rooms. Well, yeah. So I'm not going to even call this a trend. The open concept is a movement that has been happening. This is what everyone wants. So when a rehabber goes into a really sectioned off closed house, obviously they want to open it up as much as possible because that's what everyone's looking for. Uh, it is, though, uh, you need to be careful about which walls you take down. Sometimes I've even, we have seen being out there staging rehabbed homes and everything that maybe people take down too many walls or the wrong walls. Now, yeah. obviously, there's HVAC and stuff you have to consider. So some are going to have to stay, but you really have to be strategic because sometimes in the effort of making a really open space, you kind of make a confusing space for potential buyers and staging is essential in that kind of situation because we can really clear it up right, for them and, right. and make them understand but just be careful about which walls you're taking down or even in some situations they're taking out too much and it wasn't yeah. necessary uh so that just be strategic about yeah, that. yeah I'm, I'm seeing that on redfin you know when i look at some of these uh, rehabbed places that are, are for sale and particularly like you're talking about these these grand old houses, these old Victorians that have been um, renovated on the inside. The outside, they've, they've been restored, mm-hmm. um, but on the inside, they've been aggressively modernized, mm-hmm. you know, and going to the kitchen, it's like, wow, you, you tore out all, this, all, this, all these walls to make the kitchen bigger, but now there's like this massive kitchen island, <laughs> but there's still not enough counter space. Yeah. I mean, it's like not enough uppers. Yeah, and, exactly. Exactly. So let's move into the kitchen. Uh, kitchen is very much a hot area and kitchens and baths. Really, that's what it comes down to, right? When, when it comes time to sell. Absolutely. That's what everyone's really looking for because they're the most expensive staples. Like if someone, if a buyer doesn't really like it and they have to make changes, those are the, it's easy to paint a living room or something like that. But those are the rooms that with the big tickets. Yeah. Okay. So in the kitchen, what are, what are you seeing? What are, what's emerging as uh, the hot trends in, in kitchen design? So I'll continue with this biophilic trend that we're seeing, which is bringing nature inside the house. Mm-hmm. So uh, something that we're seeing a lot of is actually using wooden countertops. So obviously we've been doing stone for a very long time, various types, uh, but wooden countertops are warmer. They bring in that warmth um, that people are looking for to start the new decade because, you know, we've been so gray and white for the last decade and very industrial and there's a real movement happening towards that more natural feel, that more comfy uh, softer, warmer feel. So if you use the wooden countertops, a butcher block countertop is very affordable compared to stone. So if you're also thinking about that for your rehab budget, it kind of gets a patina over time. It gets its own character over time, which is a really nice effect. And overall, it's it's really coming in. So when we're talking about wood, what what range of color are we talking about? Because cherry's not back. No, right? probably not. But a walnut is a good countertop color. Um, a butcher block is usually more of a light color, almost like a pine. Uh, so I would say any kind of a range, but yeah, that kind of reddish cherry, maybe not so much. Okay. And so with the cabinetry, what are we looking at then? It's the same theme going into the natural, going back to the natural? Um, yeah. So what we're overall, what we're seeing is just more color in the kitchen. You know, it's been that all white, very clean kitchen for a while, but people are now kind of 
pushing back against that and want to have overall in their house and their bathrooms as well. It's just they want to have a little more character, a little more fun. So I know when you're doing rehabbing and you have to rehab to sell and you're appealing to a mass amount of buyers, you're not necessarily going to put in a bold color cabinet, even though that's gorgeous, like doing a navy cabinet or something. Um, But you could definitely add some interest by doing a different color on the lowers, even if you keep a white upper. Or maybe the island is the different color and the other cabinets are the same color. So just adding in a little touch of color, it doesn't have to be dramatic, but it really does make a big impact and a big difference on the beauty of a kitchen and what the people's, the buyer's eyes are looking for. Okay. Okay. So as we move through the house, Mm -hmm. um, anything interesting to say about the living room, the family room? Um, What, what are some of the emerging themes with that space? Well, just overall, I think people are really liking uh, built-ins and also wainscoting. Like that's more of kind of a dining room thing, but that can be all over in the living area. That is something that's very timeless. And if you want to add wainscoting or any kind of millwork like that, it doesn't have to be so expensive because they actually make them now pre-made out of various materials. So you don't necessarily need a specific craftsman to come in and do that kind of stuff. So it might be within your budget and it really adds to the perceived value of your house. Um, as well, doing built-ins, people love that storage, you know, put the kids' toys away in there and you can have that magazine-ready living room at all times. Um, and it's just a great place to show off some of your art. So mm-hmm. that's definitely something people are looking for. It's timeless. I think we got away from it for a little bit, but it's coming back. That's so fascinating. It's like everything old is new again, right? Always. Right? It always comes and goes. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> Just wait. So that's another thing, too. How long, what is kind of like the lifespan of a design trend? Is it? Is it a decade? Is it five years? Is it, well, I mean. it's So generally the rule is that it's a, um, it takes about 10 years before something starts to really look dated. Um, at around 15 years, it's out of style. And then when you get up to like 30 years, it's back in now time. it's like retro, right? <laughs> so which retro and that classic stuff can be appealing to some people. But even if you have something that's 30 plus years old and you want it, like I said, want to keep some of those elements, you know, just refresh throughout the house just for contemporary buyers. But I would say because home, it's not like fashion trends, which can change in a year. Uh, this is a lot, a lot more expensive, a lot more work. So I would say about a decade, things start to come and go. Okay. So it's interesting when you're saying that, you know, um, kind of wanting to go back to this more natural feel, more wood. I started thinking about wood paneling <laughs> and kind of like in the 1970s. Let's not with, go that far. Okay. So it's not, <laughs> the pendulum hasn't swung back that far. No, no, okay. no. Okay. Uh, I would not no, say that. Shag rugs. No, please, okay. no. Please, no. <laughs> Let's stay away from it. Let's let okay. that never come back. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So as we continue going through the house, um, the staircase, you were talking about the importance of trying to salvage as much as possible in terms of what is kind of like architecturally in in keeping with the with the vibe of the house, right? Yeah. And even if you're starting new, you have to take out the staircase. Just... Make it, um, we saw a lot, especially in Philadelphia, a lot of these metal railings. And they're very cool and they're right in certain situations. But we're, we're seeing a lot more um, interesting, unique, using wood again for, um, for railings and stuff like that for the staircase. Okay, great. So, folks, it's raining really, really heavily here. So that's the sound that you hear <laughs> in the background is actually the rain. <laughs> um, so, but we're, we're nice and dry. We're nice and dry in here. 
So, Lauren, okay, so as we go, keep moving through the house, what about the powder room, the powder bathroom? Anything, or the bathrooms in general? What what can we talk about with well, bathrooms? I'm a big believer in a statement powder room. If we're going to talk specifically about powder rooms, it's a tiny space, so it's a lot easier to take a risk to do something colorful without, I mean, if you try to do that in a living room or a kitchen, it's going to be blinding. But in a small space, using an interesting tile, obviously that complements with the rest of the house. Um, interesting flooring or a cool wallpaper, at least on one wall or cool light fixture, something like that. I love an interesting statement powder room. Um, In general, for bathroom trends, people, like I said about the kitchen, kind of rebelling back against that all-white, clean look. Um, They want a little more color. So even if you're rehabbing for people, like we said, you can't go too outrageous because you need to have mass appeal, but you can have a nice like a color in your vanity. Instead of just using a white or even a gray vanity, you can use a blue or some color that complements the rest of the house. Um, the easiest thing to do is a nice, colorful, interesting, or, or ge- geometrically interesting um, accent tile. So you can do that within a niche in a shower or just somewhere in the shower. Just ha- add that color, add that interest. People are, are looking for that. They want their house to be a little more unique. Okay. And um, one of the things I saw in the notes that you provided me as, as to help me prepare for this interview was that subway tile is out. Well, I, I have a hard time with this one because okay. I feel like subway tile is going to kind of always be a little necessary, at least for the next five years. Uh, but P, again, it's that same kind of thing where it's a little cookie cutter. Everyone has it. People are a little tired of seeing it. So even if you are going to do a subway tile, try doing it in a color or mixing it in, or do, you know, in a certain situation, you could do a black subway tile with the white grout, that black and white, that contrast is very interesting. Just mix it up. That's, that's basically what I'm saying. It's just the, the constant subway tile, it gets a little blurry in people's minds, right? If they're looking at a lot of different houses. So I don't want to call it a necessary evil, but I think subway tile will be around for a little bit longer. But add a little panache to your subway tile. That's what I would say. Um, But as far as other tile, if you're not going to be using a subway tile, the kind of Portuguese looking geometric tile, if you can imagine, um, is very in right now just it adds even if it's black and white even if it's gray and white and not in color it does add such visual interest so if you're doing that say in a kitchen you could do the subway tile around and then over the range have a beautiful statement with the geometric tile okay so i saw somebody post on one of the facebook groups that i'm a participant in and it was a, a photo of a bathroom of a rehab bathroom and it had this separate like soaking tub mm. and um, a really nice shower but the tub had been installed between like the wall this huge window mm-hmm. and then the shower and i was thinking to myself is that like really i mean was I, it under the window it was under the window but the window was huge and I'm thinking to myself, that do you really want to have your tub? <laughs> I don't know. It's just so. What are I, I don't know. What what is it, just because you have the space in the bathroom doesn't necessarily mean every single inch of that space has to be taken up with with plumbing, right? <laughs> well, I would say that soaker tubs, freestanding tubs, are definitely in. Okay. If you have the availability to do that, do it. 
the buyers are going to love it. Okay. However, you do have to think in that scenario about privacy, right? So something you could do in that specific scenario as an easy fix is frost the windows. Um, you, you know, that's something easy to add on and that'll give you some privacy. But I would say leave a little bit of space. People are going to be filling that. They're going to need to use the utility. So don't right. forget about storage spaces. If you have the extra space, add in a little extra storage, um, something that looks beautiful with the vanity, like a, maybe a tall cabinet. Um, but me- people do like the separate shower and soaker tub if available. Right. And I guess what I was trying to get at, and thank you for, for making that, that distinction, I guess what I was getting at was a, a, a bathroom like that was clearly like the master suite bathroom. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking like with a couple, um, the utility of it is such that the shower, it, it just seemed to me like was it cramped? Yeah, it seemed to me like, okay, if two people were to be in this space at the same time, mm-hmm. it still seemed like it wouldn't be comfortable, even though it was so big. You yeah, know? you have to you have to be strategic. You have to plan it out correctly and remember that there's going to be multiple people in there potentially, especially if it's a master suite. So just keep that in mind. And maybe, maybe it's not a space where you can fit a soaker tub, but you do a little bit of an enlarged shower because you do have a little extra space. So you got to make that compromise where you have to just don't forget sometimes people get kind of carried away with the beauty of the design and everything but you got to remember it has to be functional right right okay so um as we continue to move through the house in terms of the bedrooms i guess basically we're, we're back to um paint colors um is what is kind of like the the new neutral for for paint so the paint colors this year um sherwin williams had naval uh, which is a blue. It's a very rich, classic kind of blue color. Um, and that is a sign of blue as the new neutral. If you think about it, your blue jeans match all your tops, right? So blue is definitely coming in. Besides the fact that it's a good kind of beautiful neutral color, it's calming. Like psychologically, blue is a very calming, tranquil color. And I think in this crazy world that we live in, people are looking for their houses to be calming, beautiful spaces. Like psychologically, you know, unconsciously, it's making you feel good. So uh, blue is coming in. Another color Bear did was Back to Nature, which is actually a green. So again, same similar kind of thing. It's natural. It's calming. It's tranquil. So that's what people are looking for. So I, again, about this necessary evil kind of thing, I think gray and those neutral colors when you're rehabbing a house are going to be around for a while for most of the house. But I would strongly advise add in, even if it's a statement or, I mean, a feature wall, maybe one wall in a room where you know the the headboard's going to be in the master or something like that. Make it one of these colors and add some interest and you know that nice tranquility okay that's great so in terms of things that are not so positive when rehabbers (laughs) get their (laughs) uh bring their 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 crews in um what are some common mistakes that rehabbers make that we could really help them not avoid yeah avoid yeah (laughs) well you know as stagers we go in a lot to these newly rehabbed homes and some things just really stand out to us and so we've kind of compiled a list and at my company we we talk about things a lot things to avoid so one thing that is the bane of stagers and (laughs) it's like our biggest topic is chandelier placement so not everyone places a chandelier in the dining room 
But if you are going to do it, most contractors, most people want to put it right in the middle of the room. But you have to remember that part of that room is leading to another room. So it's actually a hallway. It's not a dining room. So you have to look at entry points, walkways, stuff like that, and make sure, because sometimes when you put it right in the middle, now because your table is over so far to the right, it's kind of in the walkway leading to the kitchen, for example. So sometimes it's better to move the chandelier over towards the wall that has no entries and exits. It's not um, It's not the main walkway. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. Um, another thing as far as kitchens is just sometimes we see that there wasn't a lot of thoughtful planning put into kitchens. There are a lot of corner drawers that we see that open into the stove and you can't actually open them. And that's just kind of a planning thing. That's a pre-planning thing. A lot of gaps we see in kitchens between maybe a four or even six inch gap between the end of the countertop and the fridge, which was just kind of a planning thing. And that's wasted space. And in a small kitchen, that's that's prime real estate countertop yeah, that's, space. That's your future place for trash. I mean, stuff. Is oh gonna, yeah, dust. Are you really going to clean in there? Yeah. You know, so. the, kid, the kids' <laughs> hamster. Something is going <laughs> to get back caught, there. Yeah, something's going to get caught back there. Ugh. So that's something to think about. Um, and even in bathrooms, what we see a lot is the l- placement of the vanity light is incorrect. So um, this, we think this often happens when the the light is put in before the vanity is put in. So now it's maybe off center. So if you put the mirror with the light, now it's off center with the vanity. If you put the mirror with the vanity, it's off center with the light. So that's, that's another thing we see. Um, and really just a lot of the finishing touches kind of get overlooked, which I understand it's the end of a long project. Everyone's exhausted. They just want to get it on the market. But buyers really do notice little things like... Um, trim that hasn't been painted or hasn't been completed uh railings again that maybe i've seen so much of the two-tone where you where half of it's or most of it's painted but there's one part that's still raw um vents ceiling fans these things don't match throughout the house um stuff like that switch plates door handles they're just old small things you got to replace them you got to do that because people notice and even if they're small differences it could affect their confidence in the house that they're buying. You know, if they, if they look around and they see these little things, maybe the, the threshold isn't, isn't right walking between two rooms, you know, psychologically it kind of gets them thinking, what can't I see that hasn't been done in this house? I think that's a really good point. And some of these little finishing touches that you're talking about, it doesn't cost money. Oh no. It doesn't cost a lot of time either. No. Just get it right. Get it right. Just and I know like like I said, I know everyone's exhausted, but just put in the little extra effort to make sure every outlet has a faceplate on it. Make sure um even outside the mailbox, the numbers, they oftentimes they need to be updated, they're they're worn and or just outdated. The number font is is old. Just replace them. It's cheap, it's easy. You gotta do that kind of stuff. And it, it could potentially be the difference between getting that full price offer to somebody being like, you know what, uh, let's see if we can get five to 10 grand. Absolutely. Uh, you know? It's it's the perceived value of your house. And it might seem silly, but the little things really add up. Wow. So another thing too, I wanted to ask you about was, is there, and I know it's kind of probably rough to generalize, but is there a percent of the rehab budget that should be allocated to? Uh, For design? staging? Yeah. Um, so for staging, or to having a professional like you come through at the beginning to kind of oh. get your eye 
and say, be you know, be aware of this, this, and this, in addition to at, at the end coming back in to do the staging? Um, well, I can only really speak for our company. We do offer uh, where we come in and we'll do the design and we'll, and we'll make sure there's a constant flow throughout the house of all the finishes and everything matches and looks good. Um, I'm not sure that there's necessarily a percentage of a budget for that. Uh, our whole house kind of package for that would be 2500 So that's something to think about. But if you think about it on the back end, what we can do to make your house look cohesive and everything to get that better asking price, it's worth it. And then for staging, there, it's kind of a loose 1% of the asking price um, budget. And that can change depending on that. That usually applies to houses under like 350 k but um, it's something to think about. And with our company, we can give you a quote right up front before you even start because you know the general square footage of the house. You know the general asking price you're going to go for. So we would be able to give you a quote and then you can set that aside and, and put it into your budget so you have it at the end. And typically, so for like a three-bedroom house, typically you would recommend like staging one bedroom, one living room, and then... Uh, well, so what we do is we do all the main living areas. So... Um, living room, dining room, um, kitchen, entry, all that kind of stuff. And then we do, we typically just do the master bedroom and we do all the bathrooms as well. But what we found is that the master bedroom, they're going to be the owners, right? So they're the ones that are buying. Usually other bedrooms just kind of speak for themselves. However, if you have kind of a weird space or a super small bedroom, we'll go ahead and stage that too because it needs a little bit of help. But our general formula is all main living areas, all bathrooms, and a master. Okay. Okay, great. So, um, oh, I forgot to ask you about stainless steel appliances. Are those passe in the in the uh, kitchen? I wouldn't necessarily say that they're passe. Um, the good thing about stainless steel is that with all these open concept houses, they really do kind of, they don't clash with the wood that's in your furniture and the colors that are going on in your house, like your your design when you move in. So that's a benefit, although definitely um, fingerprint resistant is, is preferable. And now they make them where they're not necessarily shiny. It's more of a matte finish on that stainless look. That's preferable as well. Okay. Okay, great. So Lauren, why do you enjoy what you're doing? Oh, because it's so much fun. Every day is a little bit different. Every space I walk into, I get to be creative in a different way. We call when we do when we're doing staging, we call it uh, it's like doing sidewalk chalk art because we make this beautiful piece, you know, and then it's gone in a month or so. Uh, but it's fun. It's a new challenge every day. And I mean, who doesn't love to just to play, <laughs> to play, to right. put things together. And it is kind of playing, you know, maybe we chose a lamp, but now we want to use that in a different room and we're going to use a different lamp. And it's a lot of, you know, working through it and just seeing besides the science of it, the fun of it is really seeing just what works and what really highlights a house. Right. And I think it's one of those things that um, both both sides are happy. The, the seller is happy because their property hopefully moves faster. Mm-hmm. And for the buyer, it's like you said, it's like coming into the space and immediately feeling like, wow, I'm at home. Absolutely. So staging is so important because not only, I mean, obviously it looks nice, it photographs well, but when the people come in, it's 
we create a feeling. We don't just create a beautiful living room, dining room, whatever. We create a feeling. And whether or not they realize that they're having this feeling, it's it's the psychology of the colors that we use and just creating this calm feeling like, wow, I'm home. I could live here. So it's not only visual, it's creating that feeling mm-hmm, for the mm-hmm. for the potential buyers. And um, oh, one of the things I forgot to ask you about was the and maybe you mentioned this, but I don't remember you mentioning it was the flooring blunders. Oh. Putting in flooring too early. Oh, yes, it's yes. That's a huge one, right? So what we have very, very unfortunately seen a lot is that you could tell new flooring was put in or old hardwood floors were resurfaced, redone, and then maybe some sheetrock went in or some actual work was done or a ceiling was painted. And now this beautiful floor you just spent all this money on has scratches in it, has paint on it that's harder to get up and everything. So it's about timing. I mean, obviously, there's a flow to construction work, but um, consider trying to do that less. And if you have to do um, painting and stuff while the floor is down, people will protect it. But something you have to think about is make sure you clean the floor under your protective material. Because when you put down a drop cloth or that paper that, that people put down, People are walking all over that. And if there's a little bit of stone, maybe a loose nail down there, people are walking on it and it's scratching the floor. So just make sure you take the extra 10 minutes and perfectly clean that floor before you put the protection down. Good point. And then uh, thresholds, the trip factor. Yes. I I will not tell you how many Uh. times I have tripped that we've been in houses. You know, we're looking around, we're making notes. And yeah, I've never fallen to the ground yet. Knock on wood. But it's, yeah, it's jarring. And so what happens is, you know, same thing when the people, when the potential buyers are touring through, they're listening to the real estate agent talk, they're looking at the beautiful paint color and the great staging that we've done and everything. And they're not looking at the floor and they trip on the threshold and that creates a negative connotation for them about your house. And you definitely don't want that. So especially if you're using vinyl, which is a great product because you can put it down on top of the existing floor be careful you're not creating too much of a kind of like a little step up. Your threshold has to be a good a good gradient, um, nice and safe so no one trips. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And then um, back to the exterior, um, you, you mentioned the mailbox, the mailbox numbers, um, you know, the screen doors. I mean, come on, people just, just swap them out. Just replace them. Do something. I know. It's... <laughs> You can't forget about the exterior because that is the first impression yeah. when someone is walking into your house to tour it. So you, it's often, I don't know why, it's often forgotten. I've seen, you know, there's chipped paint around the door frame, or like I said, the old numbers, um, old light fixture, something like that outside. Don't forget about the yeah. outside. It's your first impression. Yeah. Wow. Well, Lauren, this has been great. Um, um, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that we didn't cover? I think we covered everything. This is incredible. Yeah, I would just say um, for the last thing, uh, the little bit of a spiel about why staging is so important for rehabbers. You know, you're you're redoing a house, you put all this work into it, and there's really three re- three reasons, excuse me, why staging is good for a rehabbed home. First one is for the photographs online. Some crazy statistic, like 98% of people, I think everyone, shops online first before they choose to go see a house. So if you have, no matter how much beautiful work you've done, unless you have some spectacular architectural feature in your house, if they're just looking at pictures of an empty house, it's going to become a blur in their mind. 
and it won't stand out. Whereas a staged house really will make an impression online and be more memorable to the buyer. The second thing is, is that feel and again. Move faster. Move yeah, faster. yeah, move faster. Absolutely. It's that feel. So when they come into the house, they've picked your house, they come in, they're missing out on that feel that that staging creates that I talked about. Excited. Yeah. Right. It's that excitement and it's also inspiration. So sometimes with the rehabbed houses, because they've taken down the walls and it's open concept, obviously they can tell what the kitchen is, but then they're thinking, oh man, like where, where's my TV go? Is this the dining room? What's going on? A lot of people can't necessarily understand how to work an open concept. So that's where staging can help too, because the less intimidated they are by the space and the more inspired they are, the more likely they're going to buy. And staging is statistically proven over and over again, house sells quicker and it sells for more money. And therefore, it's a really great investment and it's a good return on your investment. Right, right. And with your firm, you guys handle everything, right? It's not as though the homeowner, that, that fee covers everything. It's not as though the homeowner has to, you know, arrange for the uh, stage furniture to be moved in, moved oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. You guys take care of all yeah, of that. Yeah, we have the one fee, and we actually own all of our own furniture and everything, so no rental fees or anything like that. We bring it in, we stage it, and actually everything's available for sale should the buyer's like to buy anything. Does that ever happen? It does, actually. We just recently staged down the shore, and they bought a good amount of furniture from that house. So that's exciting because... Obviously, we know it looks great there, and it's great for them, but then, you know, we get to go shopping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's great. So, Lauren, for folks who want to follow up and, and contact you, what's the best way for them to find you online? Absolutely. So, we are called Design Studio 312. Our website is designstudio312.com. Our Instagram and Facebook is Design Studio 312. And, um, yeah, so you can reach out to us there. There's obviously our email and contact information is on the website and everything. And we're constantly posting on Instagram and letting everyone see what we do. Okay. Well, great. Well, folks, we've been talking today with Lauren Donati. She's been a great help to us today, keeping us on our toes and making sure that we stay modern and fresh with our rehabs. Well, that's it. We've reached the end of another episode of the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show. Uh, remember, you can always find past episodes on Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just do a search for the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.